What up, y'all? We are back and we have a crossover edition of the DNVR Rams and DNVR Buffs podcast. I am Justin Michael, and this show is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Today, we are going to be talking about Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban, all of the drama, and then we are going to branch into some scheduling talk now that the NCAA has changed the rules for conference championship games. Uh, divisions are no longer necessary. We are going to talk about the benefits particularly for leagues like the Mountain West and Pac-12 Conference, and just kind of how it opens up the possibility for a little bit more flexibility with the scheduling. And uh, more importantly than anything, you're just guaranteeing that you end up with the two best teams in the title game and potentially give yourself a better opportunity to get a team in the college football playoff, which is kind of ultimately what needs to be guiding all decisions by leagues in 2022. Uh, Before we play the audio from Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher and then get into this conversation, the NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win, get $150 in free bets if they do. If you are looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs, with the DraftKings Same Game Parlay, you can do exactly that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds. Boom, you've got a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place the same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win. Get $150 in free bets if they do. That promo code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. First things first, here is Nick Saban talking to a group of Alabama boosters. This was on Wednesday, May 18th. Now, I know that we're going to lose recruits because somebody else is going to be willing to pay them more. Um, But name, image, and likeness is something that's here. And I think the more supporters that we have for the University of Alabama in all sports that are willing to sponsor players, whatever you want to call it, use them in your business to help your business, that's going to help our programs. Um, The thing that I fear is at some point in time, they're just going to say we're going to have to pay players. If we start paying players, we're going to have to eliminate sports. And this is... This is all bad for college sports. I mean, we probably have, what, 450 people on scholarship at Alabama, whether they're women's tennis players, women's softball players, golfers, you know, baseball players, non-revenue sports that, should, that have for years and years and years been able to create a better life for themselves because they've been able to get scholarships and participate in college athletics. That's what college athletics is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be something where people come and make money and you make a decision about where you go to school based on how much money you're going to make. You should make a decision based on where you have the best chance to develop as a person, as a student, and as a player, which is what we've always tried to major in, and we're going to continue to do that, and hopefully there's enough people out there that will want to do it, but I know the consequence is going to be difficult for the people who are spending tons of money to get players. And you've read about them. You know who they are. I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right, we didn't buy one player. 
All right, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. And now we have the response from Texas A&M head coach Jimbo Fisher at his press conference on Thursday morning, May 19th. Last night in Alabama? Uh, yes, I would. First of all, I'll say it's a shame that we have to do this. It's really despicable. It's despicable that somebody can say things about somebody and an organ. More importantly, 17-year-old kids. You're taking shots at 17-year-old kids and their families. And they broke state laws. They're, they're, they're all money. We bought every player on this group. We never bought anybody. No rules were broken. Nothing was done wrong. It was all in the, and the way we do things, the ethics in which we do things. And these families, it's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. It's ridiculous But when, when he's not on top. And the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. And it's a shame that you've got to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids and families in Texas A&M because we do things right. We're always going to do things right. But we're, not, we're always going to be here. We're doing a heck of a job. These coaches have done a great job. Our players have done a great job. The whole organization of recruiting people. It's despicable that we've got to sit here at this level of ball and, and say these things to defend the people of this organization, the kids, 17-year-old kids and their families. It's amazing. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. It really is. And it's a shame we have to sit up here and have this conversation about things we do. And it's it, it personal to us. Yes, it is. It's personal to A&M. It's personal to our players. It's personal to our coaches and everybody involved. And I know the guy. I know him really well. It's amazing that we're allowed to do those things. It's really despicable. And I, and I hate it. For our players who are coming here, who did things the right way, have done things the right way, and will continue to do things the right way, I apologize to you that people insult you publicly the way they're doing it. And our fans, I, I apologize to you guys for people saying those things about Texas A&M. I promise you this. There are, no, there are no violations. There are nothing wrong. It's the second time we've had to do this with grown men who don't get their way and want to pout, throw a fit, and act up. Just go ask all the people who work for him. You'll know exactly what he's about. I always said this. My dad always told me this. When people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is. Questions? At the left, Olin. A couple of things, Jimbo. First of all, have you had any contact with Nick since? No. Oh, he's called. You just didn't take the call? Not going to. We're done. And, uh, he shows you who he is. And then I just wanted to... He's the greatest ever, huh? And then I just wanted you to... you got all the advantages? Uh-huh. It's easy. And I just wanted to... Uh, just put it point blank. So no players in your – you're saying that no players in the state – There's no laws of anything we ever promised done, anything that goes against the laws of the state of Texas, and it's insulting to say a 17-year-old in his family broke laws. No. What up, y'all? We have a crossover episode. I'm Justin Michael from DNVR Rams. We've got Henry Chisholm from DNVR Buffs. And we, we've got a situation brewing with Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. This is one of the more dramatic – mornings in college football that I can remember. Uh, you guys just heard that audio. Uh, Nick Saban talking to Alabama boosters, accusing Texas A&M of buying every player. Uh, Jimbo Fisher comes back hot, basically says, you know, we didn't do anything wrong and took a bunch of shots at, at Nick Saban. Man, this is wild. This is the This is the most direct I've ever seen college football coaches be with their accusations publicly. I will say... Mm-hmm. Saban talking to boosters, like 
I, I'm sure he didn't intend for this to blow up the way it did. Like doing that in a press conference is a completely different context than saying yep. it to your boosters. But he's got to be smarter than that. You got to know you're on camera. And now this whole thing is blown up. And good God, like, what's your initial reaction to all this? Oh, my goodness. I mean, I, I can't boil it down to three words. That's for sure. There's so much going on. I mean, I guess if you really want to boil it down, college footballs, uh, college football coaches are just kind of the slimiest people that are out there for the most part. Um, we know that just about every big program cheats in whatever way that they cheat. And so I guess uh, it, it's just pretty hypocritical, I guess, is kind of the first thing where it's like, did Saban make some good points? Yeah, did. I, I think that probably uh, Jimbo made even better points, in my opinion. But it's like, uh, what, are you, what are we going to do? Like, we're going to pick a winner out of this sleazeball contest? You know? That's the thing about like people being like, oh man, like Jimbo owns Saban here, or oh, like Nick really, you know, exposed, you know, Jimbo here. It's we all know that this is going on. College football mm-hmm. coaches have been and will continue to bend the rules, flat out break them in order to, you know, get the, the best talent that they can. This is this mm-hmm. is nothing new. What's new about this situation is just the directness of their accusations. I feel like normally. You know, like coaches will take little pot shots and they'll kind of dance around accusations. But I mean, Jimbo blatantly was like, go dig into Saban's background. And obviously, Jimbo was Saban's offensive coordinator at LSU in 2003 when they won the national championship. All of these guys have dirt on each other, though. So it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of funny. It's cheaters calling each other cheaters. It's, it's kind of like a fat person making fun of another person for being fat. Like, what are we doing here? Exactly. Like, exactly. I mean, of course, of course, Alabama has cheated. Of course, Alabama has cheated. I'm an Alabama fan. Yes, they have cheated. Absolutely. They have cheated. Like, it's not even, especially like doing what we do. Like you hear all the rumors where it's just like, oh, okay. Okay. And it's like, yeah, everybody who's won a championship has probably cheated. And so you just have to start right there. But then, like, I don't know, the, the dynamic of the whole thing is fun. And I guess the other part is everybody's responding like, well, these journalists, they need to be able to track this down. It's like, no, Nick Saban is a, an incredible cheater. There will be no paper trail. Like, it's, it's not like it's like, hmm, maybe if I FOIA him hard enough, we'll uncover decades of scandal. It's like, no, they know better than that. That's why they're so good is because they know what they can do without getting caught. The only way you get caught is if somebody who used to work for you decides that they're pissed off and that's exactly what happened with Jimbo. Like this is the only way to make it happen. And Jimbo, a man who seems to have no love lost for, for Nick Saban has all the information and he's still not willing to share it. Like if you think that this is actually going to turn into Alabama, it's because any comes information down, like, no, that he can down. share on Nick, there are 15 other assistants that can then share the same information on Jimbo. It's all, it's, you know, people talk about like nuclear conflict and the whole like you're not going to mm-hmm. do it because it's just going to spark a giant reaction. These coaches are all in the same boat. You can't be out here talking shit, throwing, you know, shade at other coaches, giving out their little dirty secrets because somebody else also has yours and they all know it. They all yeah. know that their dirty laundry is out there. Look, I'm an Alabama fan. People know it. Obviously, I love Nick Saban. I understand why people can't stand the guy. I understand when people hear those comments, you know, the, the irony, the irony of Nick Saban, you know, getting upset about 
other people paying players because clearly that has happened at Alabama. Like I'm not in denial about that. It's happened at every SEC program, which is the point we've, you know, kind of tried to make here early on. I just, to me, it feels like Saban has dominated, you know, recruiting under the, the landscape, the way it's been for the last 15, 20 years, he's dominated. So he doesn't want the status quo to change. His feathers are ruffled. He's talking to his boosters says a little bit too much. That information gets out and now it's kind of all blown up. I will say, I I do think that Jimbo has some points. I also think there's some irony of an individual calling a press conference to rant about somebody else being narcissistic. Like there is a layer of of irony there, but this is awesome, man. It's the college football might be having the the most interesting offseason of any sport so far. And that's hard to do when the NFL like force feeds their you know, news cycle down your throat. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a great day. I mean, my dad texted me. I was like sitting here working and like, he sent me a picture of the way he said uh, that sounded kind of sad. Like my dad actually (laughs) texted me today. That's how big this is. Yeah. But like not somebody who's super in tune with the big world of college football. Um, but he like sent a picture of like tiger eating the sandwich or whatever, which I was watching too. But then he was like, are you going to talk about, the Nick Saban comments today. And I was like, but my dad knows about the Nick Saban comments. Like this is big. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, I mean, mean, it started there. And then from there, it's like, well, gotta, gotta watch a press conference. It's like Jimbo's calling a press conference with an hour and a half notice. Gotta tune into that. And he just goes off, off the handles. I mean, it's, I mean, that was full score. I am a little surprised how intense he went. Obviously, I get it. I get yeah. why he's pissed, but also, you know, our, our coworker, Dre, he kind of tweeted, why, why is he even getting defensive about this? Like everybody understands the alumni base that Texas A&M has. Like they, mm-hmm. it's why the they rich. were an SEC candidate in the first place, despite not being all that successful in the big 12 compared to some of those other programs. They wanted that money. Why is he not just being like, look, we aren't breaking any rules but we have a phenomenal alumni base that supports our players that, you know, gives them opportunities to cash in on the rules as they are currently written. And so, yeah, we're great at this shit. Why don't you come on down to, you know, Texas station. So the interesting part about the rules as they're currently written is that the way the rules were written is that boosters absolutely cannot be giving any money to anybody. And, and nobody can give money to anybody with, with at terms least of yeah, or, or nobody can be giving money that that is tied to being enrolled with a school. So even like I I found out this was news to me. Like if we sign, say say David Roddy doesn't or decides to back out of the draft, he can just transfer, and and there is nothing we could do. Like even if it's written in the contract, it would be an illegal deal if if we tried to pull that from him in some way, which is crazy to me. But but because it's because of the recruiting stuff, obviously that just was not being enforced at all or looked well, into at all. Let's talk about that. That's up the until thing like is, is a week ago. NIL has become pay for play, which is not mm-hmm. what the spirit of it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But this was what always it's, it's what was destined to happen given the lack of guidelines from the NCAA. Like what did they expect for this to happen? That's the thing that I will say. I think Saban has the best point about it. I mean, it's, been pretty open, you know, players like negotiating, you know, I want this deal or I'm going to leave or I'm going to this school with an NIL deal. It's like, how did all of that come together before you were even there? 
Totally. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot of that stuff that we knew was wrong, but again, I mean, it was written in the rules, but nobody was enforcing any of that in, in any way. And so now like, I, I don't think they're willing to retroactively go through everything, but as Jimbo was saying, like, yeah, Jim, Jimbo was the one saying like, you can read it in the newspaper. Like, like it is in the newspaper that these rules are being broken. Like people are proud to show that they are breaking these rules. And again, it's because there was no enforcement and no reason to think there'd be any enforcement up until the NCAA came out like a week or two ago and said, now we're enforcing this, but there's no way that they're going to go back through all that stuff at this point. Well, they might, they just, might like, just well, scapegoat somebody, but it's not like it's, what are yeah. you going to do? Go back and punish every major college program in the country? Exactly. And that's where it's just going to be like, yep. So starting today, we're going to uh, start paying attention to that. It's like, I guess, I guess, congrats to you, Texas A&M. You did the best of taking advantage of that. I mean, it's not even really a loophole, but it, I mean, they just refuse to punish anybody for it. Like you took advantage of that and, and you won. And again, the other part is like Jimbo saying like, yeah, you know, I'm not involved. They do whatever they do. We do our part here. And it's like, I guess if that's the case, we can't really blame you, Jimbo. But aren't you the one saying like this well, is about deniability? The These guys, you know, it's all strategic. You can say a lot by saying a little, and vice versa. I just, I, I just roll my eyes watching all of it. That's like my big thing with all of this. I don't, I don't think there's going to be like any major change that comes out of this. Obviously, it'll be a storyline going into that October eighth mm-hmm. matchup which is uh, shaping up to be a spicy weekend. That's also when CSU plays Nevada. So you get the Jay Norvell return to Reno. Uh, a lot of drama wow. going on. I'm looking forward to that week as a college. That's a, that's a CU bye week. So I'm pretty fired up about that. There you go. It's a good week to, it's perfect. to sit on the couch, get some light shade products, get some sexy pizza, mm. some brick brews. Any other products be uh, betting on DraftKings while you do it? Oh, sh- of course. No, do, After- do we, do we, well, what's the line have to be for you to take Texas A&M in that? I know it's too soon, but it's in Tuscaloosa. Okay. Bama lost to A and M last year. It's true. I am a Bama fan. <laughs> I think Alabama is going to kick the living hell out of them. I have a feeling too. I have a feeling too. I'm I'm blanking on their quarterback. At the, I mean, I guess we saw him. It's just Calzada again. Or Haynes I think Kane? so because the other kid transferred out, didn't he? He did. That's right. That's yeah. right. So yeah, I guess it's just Calzada. Oof, that's a yeah. I mean, I'd I'd need fifteen points probably. Yeah, I was gonna say probably I, I don't know like twenty one maybe. I don't. I'll be interested to see what that spread is like. But A and M was good last year. I mean, they they got a lot of mm-hmm. they got a lot of talent. I'm curious. Is there any part of you that thinks the NCAA watching all of this kind of loves it because the NCAA, you know, oh, for absolutely. years, you know, like. We, we don't want this. It's going to ruin the integrity of the game. We're not even a year into it, and it's, it's just become a complete circus. Um, I think, th- and this kind of works into a larger point here, but I th- the, the way that college football is now is not the way it's going to be. You know, the way it is right now on May 19th, 2022 is not what it's going to be next year. And it's not what it was one year ago. And it's not what it was two years ago. Like we're still in just this big era of flux. It's probably going to be another five years before we settle in with like, what exactly are these rules and what rules can we make that the courts won't just like immediately overturn as soon as there's a lawsuit. Like, so, so because of that part of it, 
And first of all, I think fans get sucked into that. Where it's like, oh, we ruined college football. It's like, ah, we definitely didn't help it, at least as of right now. But there's still years and years of things to come before we figure that out. But I do think that given that that's the case, that there is so much just flux right here, I think it's good for the NCAA. Like, I, I think that they can, if they're rational, look at this and say, like, this isn't, this is not going to be what's happening for now. Like this Texas A&M recruiting class where every player, if, if that's actually true, and we'll ask Lane Kiffin or whoever started all that of, about that. Like if they're paying every recruit, like that's just not going to happen in the future. Like, are you going to wind up potentially working some behind the scenes NIL deals for like one or two guys? It's possible. Um, it'd be against the rules, but that'd be basically the same system now. But oh, This is not what is going to happen forever. And so why not bring on the drama while we're here? Why not get all these eyes on it? Honestly, my first thought when all this was happening was, or I, I like sat down after the, the press conference this morning. I was like, wow, the SEC is so dope right now. I thought about <laughs> it. And I was like, what is the best thing that could happen? The best thing that could happen is Colorado goes and beats USC. Carl Durrell says some crazy shit about them Lincoln Riley bounces back, and then all of a sudden you have like this little bit of drama, and that's probably the best the thing that can happen. Uh, in Boyle rivalry going, you get some uh, shades There's of that, that just on the gridiron. There, I mean, yeah, I mean that—that's the closest thing I can think of to something like this, where it was like very directly. You've seen coaches be critical of other coaches, but it's mm-hmm. not very often where they will just outright make it known. I don't respect this other individual. I dislike them. I think everything they do is hypocritical. That's like this Jimbo situation now where he's just like, are you serious right now? Like, yeah, I get it. And that's like, what that Tad Boyle stuff, but, yeah. that Tad Boyle stuff with Andy Enfield and again, kind of the same stuff with Dana Altman too. I mean, yeah. that same beef, like when those are happening, you're like, oh, it's because this thing happened on the court and it built from there. But you know that there's the undertones of like the, off the court, what's really going on. Like we run a clean program here. And so you have those undertones. Jimbo took that a lot further. Jimbo just said like, yeah, he's a cheater. He I mean, dares the journalist like, to dig into him, which that was the ballsy thing where you're, you're basically not only was he's like, he's dead to me. He tried to call me. I'm not going to take his call, which I think is kind of a weak move to be honest, yeah, because I can get to the point. I get it, but I think the context matters. Again, what I brought up at the beginning where it's Saban didn't do this in a press conference. This wasn't him mm-hmm. publicly challenging. I do think you got to know that you're always, anything you yeah. say can go public at this point, especially when you're with boosters. There's going to be people with cameras. Bama's probably there with their own cameras. There's probably news people there. Like Totally. I just, I think the context of it matters because people are going to go crazy with it and assume it's, you know, like, Nick Saban on a radio interview, just going off and being like this. He was talking to his boosters, probably explaining, you know, I I don't know. I would just like to see the entire video. What was the context that led up to it? Because I assume it was, this is why we weren't the number one, you know, recruiting class in the country. And then he got a little too personal. (laughs) And so, you know, started speaking a little too freely. I just, the one place where I'll say, I'll push back on like the, it was a ballsy move by Jimbo. It's like, so what is he saying though? He's saying Saban's a cheater. Ask anybody who's worked with him and they will tell you. He's literally sitting at a microphone while you're on the subject. And he's like, well, I'm not going to say it. Like, like if you're going to go that far and say it, like, why not just throw out there? Like, yes, he well, is. How does a reporter in the room not be like, you worked for him immediately? Interject. I, I wonder. So I couldn't hear what that last question at the end was. I couldn't but, but, either. 
but I, it had I to be something and- along those lines that those reporters are, you know, worth anything. And I can't remember how Jimbo responded, but it was something along the lines of like, oh, I didn't say that or, or something like that, where, where the, it makes you think the question was like, so to be clear, like you're saying that he was cheating or is cheating, but you just can't really tell what it is. But that would have been kind of, but I mean, he, if, if he says like, I didn't say he was cheating, like that's just a straight up lie. Like it, we, we all heard him loud and clear. Say it with your chest. That's my thing. Like, if you want to, if you're going to lean in, lean in, but don't do the, I'm going to, you know, throw shade. I'm going to be petty. I'm going to, you know, act like I'm big and tough. But then when I have an actual opportunity to throw a punch, I'm going to walk away. I, I just, yeah. you know, go for it. There is, yeah, he, he did leave it just steps. At the same time, it's like, you know, I don't lie. I don't cheat. Like, you can't say that where I grew up, like, if, if you did that, then you get slapped. Like maybe, maybe he needed to get slapped. Like that's a that's still like there, he's, he got that's like pretty, the 65 year old white guy version of, you know, saying like knuck if you buck or something. <laughs> like, yeah. It's well, the other one where it's like, yeah, you guys think he's this God, like the greatest ever. Well, ask how your God got his deal. It's like, whew, this is a, he was on. He, I, I, he's good. At it that. was fun. It, it was, was so fun. fun. This is good for college football. I mean, it's it's all corny and a lot of it's theater, but it's kind of like the NBA draft lottery. Like the NBA draft lottery is not a fair process. Objectively, no. it sucks. It produces terrible results, but it's dramatic and entertaining yeah. and we get months out of talk shows out of it. And that's why has, they're not going to change it. It has no business being on TV. Like that should just be a tweet of a piece of paper that has the order, you know? Like, like you got to see, not, you got to be able to see the balls in the machine. So you know, no, they're not the theatrics of it all. No. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I mean, it's uh, all about the theatrics. We'll get right back to the discussion in just a second, but Breckenridge Brewery, the hometown craft beer of your Colorado avalanche is celebrating this historic winning season with people who have supported the community through such a challenging year. By gifting Avs tickets to a pair of community stars each home game during the playoffs, even during the Stanley Cup Finals, we invite you to nominate a stellar community member and an Avs fan who should get the chance to celebrate at a playoff game this year. Each home game, we will hook up a fan and a friend with tickets, gear to match, and of course, the drink of the season, Avalanche Ale. Breckenridge Brewery will also donate a portion of all proceeds of the sales of Avalanche Ale through the playoffs to the Community Fund Boulder County and that is going to help benefit the Marshall Fire victims. Visit breckbrew.com to nominate a community star and send them to an Avs playoff game, and check out the Breck Beer Locator to find the closest location near you that sells all of the delicious Breckenridge products, whether it's Avalanche Ale, you can't go wrong. I am a big seltzer fan. You know, summer's out, sun's out, seltzy's out. They released a new hard soda line that are absolutely fire. I love root beer. I love the Coke one. Go check it out. You will not be located. That is the Breck Beer Locator. It's an interesting time to be a college football fan. There's, there's been a lot of change these last couple of years, and, and there's more change coming, which is what Hank and I are going to talk about. The NCAA has eliminated the rule that requires you to have two divisions to represent your conference in the conference championship game. This is big time. This is big for the Pac-12. This is big for the Mountain West who, you know, just 
clearly are a step below some of the other leagues in terms of relevancy. I think there's an opportunity here to really get creative when it comes to scheduling. And uh, ultimately, obviously, the benefit is you can end up with the best two teams in the conference championship and not have to worry about divisions because sometimes it's just unbalanced. I mean, there were a ton of years in the Mountain West where one side was just so much stronger. You know, San Diego State would be a default to go to the title game because they were going to roll San Jose State and UNLV and, you know, all the terrible teams on the other side. Whereas if you were in CSU side, you know, you're going against Boise State and Wyoming and it was just a much tougher division, Air Force. Pac-12, I'm imagining, is is similar. It can kind of flip based on the year, based on which totally. schools are, are good. But the point is, you don't have to worry about that. You can just have the best two teams, take the best two teams with a conference win percentage and give yourself the best opportunity to, to get a team high in the college football playoff rankings. Yep, yep. I mean, again, this is just kind of the first big move for the Pac-12. You know, I, I wrote about this before, and you can read the whole thing at like thedmvr.com. I spent probably too much time on it, given the relevance of this news, but we did what we did and now we're here. Um, but I, I went back to his introductory press conference when I was out in uh, LA in July. And he said, I want to be 100% clear. Going forward, the Pac-12 conference will make all of our football-related decisions with the combined goals of optimizing college football playoff invitations and winning national championships. This is a, a decision fully supported by all 12 of our athletic directors. Flash forward to all this happening yesterday. They send out the press release and he says, our goal is to place our two best teams in our Pac-12 football championship game, which we believe will provide our conference with the best opportunity to optimize college football playoff invitations and ultimately win national championships. Uh, And basically repeats that again. But I mean, it's very obvious what this is about. Like it's been something the Pac-12 is pushing for. So they got rid of the rule yesterday. It was actually the Pac-12. They petitioned the division one council to let them change it. And then, uh, Apparently, within minutes of that decision being announced, they had already taken a, uh, a unanimous vote to to change the thing. So it's like, obviously, somebody told them what was up. But just the speed with which they send out a press release saying they're changing this immediately after the news I break that you're allowed that, to though, do it. Because oh, totally. Craig Thompson talked about this same thing last July when I was out in Las Vegas mm-hmm. for the Mountain West Conference um, media days. You know, they're talking about the benefits of potentially eliminating divisions, trying to get the best possible teams in the championship game. It's clear that they knew that this was coming, like that, you know, this was the momentum towards this was going to be a possibility. I just, why isn't the Mountain West ready to go too? Like I'm saying, I wrote, you know, a column 10 days ago talking about why when this rule happens, because we all knew that this was coming, Mm -hmm. this is what the Mountain West needs to do. I just, what are we waiting for? Yep. And it is kind of fun just to go back and look at what would be different. Um, so, like, there have been 11 Pac-12 championship games against with each division's champion goes. Five of those would have had different teams in them. So, almost half, which is kind of crazy to think about. You'd think that it'd be less than that, but it's whatever. But you go back. So, 2011, first Pac-12 championship game. You've got number nine Oregon against unranked UCLA. Oregon wins. That gets them up to number five in the rankings. Again, this is BCS era, so top four doesn't mean what it means now. But if we look through that lens of, like, can you get a team into the top four and into the college football playoff? Number nine, Oregon beats an unranked team and gets to number five. Meanwhile, number four, Stanford is sitting at home. And so it's one of those things where then, obviously, if you can beat an unranked team and get up there, if you can beat number four, then you're in the top four. 
if, if number four is in there and those who are playing, one of them is guaranteed to go through. And there's like a bunch of those scenarios that you see as you run back through these. Like number seven, seven Stanford playing number 20 USC. They win and that gets them to number six. It could have been number 16 Oregon instead. I'm not sure the difference between number 20 and number 16 is big enough to get you from six to four, but it, it would help your case. And they're, they're, you just run through and there's so many of those that you look at. And on top of that, I should say, Colorado would have been in the 2020 Pac-12 championship game if this had happened. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the goal is to get teams as, as highly ranked as possible. But even mm-hmm. on top of that, there's some other things you have to consider, which is just the relevancy factor. And I think if you eliminate divisions, it gives you an opportunity to be much more flexible with your scheduling. And I think mm-hmm. you can kind of... It's not a perfect comparison because of the way the NFL schedule works and with the some of the division stuff is already determined and it's just not a perfect comparison. But the idea is to design the most intriguing schedule possible with the best teams. And if you are the Pac-12 and you are going into this year, and this is just a hypothetical team, but let's say USC is you know expected to be a top five team. USC has a chance to go to the playoff. If you are the Pac-12, you need to be doing everything that you can to be putting them in prime time games against the other good teams in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you run the risk of taking a, a loss there and you know killing yourselves, and that's you know the gamble that you have to consider. But strength of schedule has been proven to be such a big factor for you know we saw it with Cincinnati. I think them beating Notre Dame on the road was probably mm-hmm. the difference between them making the playoff last year and not. Definitely, you got to do what you can when you're the Pac-12 when you're not inherently pulling the audiences that the SEC and, you know, the Big Ten and even the Big 12, you know, like teams like Oklahoma, I think, are getting more national coverage, more talk than Oregon, USC have the last decade. Yeah, well, and and the big thing is, I mean, there's different ways to look at it. I mean, definitely for the, for like G5 conferences, it's build yourself. It's a a little bit different for Pac-12 versus Mountain West. For Mountain West, for me, I'm like, if if you have a team that you think is going to be even, you know, top 25, then they should be playing every, you know, primetime game against every other contender. You got to balance it a little bit because you don't want to overschedule so much. Um, Shit. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Got an update from the Zoom saying we're running out of time here. But I know. And then when you like looked like that, you looked right to where the the little time (laughs) left clock had just popped up. It was hilarious. (laughs) Anyways, you don't want to schedule yourself into a bunch of losses. So it's it's kind of a, a weird balance. But it is. I do think that if you want your league to be relevant, having a schedule that is intriguing and you know generates interest is going to go a long way. Totally. And, and again, once you get to the championship game, I mean, a, a reasonable standard, if you're a power five conference, is to have two teams in the top 10 at that point. Like the Pac-12 should be expecting to get two teams in the top 10 at the end of the season. Five power five leagues, two teams each, numbers work out. That's not how that's always going to play out. But if you do have two teams there and those two teams play each other, one wins, there's a good chance whoever that winner is gets into that top four regardless. And you know, you get into that stuff where it's like, ah, oh, do you it would be nice if this one year number two Oregon could play an unranked team instead of whatever. But I don't know. It, it, it is a bit of a challenge to figure out just how tough you want that schedule to be. Because the truth is, I mean, if you're if you're an eleven and one Pac-12 champion, you're you're going to the college football playoff. Like that's just what's going to happen. Like if if you're one of those SEC teams, you lose two games 
then you're still, if you're the champion, you still have a pretty good chance of, of going through. Um, so can you make your schedule tough enough that you could get a two loss team through? That's the question. And these are all just, I mean, tough, but that's tough the thing is the, the harder you make your schedule, obviously there's opportunities for more losses, but it also mm-hmm. gives you a little bit more slack in terms of it's like, yeah, they had two losses, but they lost mm-hmm. to a top 10 team on the road. And you know, the other one was the conference champion. I don't, and what you need is for those those teams that you blow games to to use that to get themselves into college football playoff position. Yeah, you know, and, and exactly. that's where like the the Pac-12 just has that massive middle class. Like everybody outside of the bottom two teams and the top two teams, it's so interchangeable week in and week out. And there's been almost no separation over time. That you're just like who who even has the chance to to run the table through all those. And that's that's I mean the next conversation and I. It, at some point, they're going to go from a nine-game conference schedule to an eight-game conference schedule, and that'll give teams a little bit more flexibility. Um, that I think that that probably is aligned with the alliance kicking in with the Big Ten and the ACC. And so uh, when does that all start to work together? That's when you see that change. Otherwise, I wouldn't be surprised if they announced it quickly. But, I mean, like you look back to 2019, or number five Utah was in the Pac-12 championship game. It's like, yeah, you need your Utah to to be able to make that run. Or who else has been up here? You have like, a, I mean, it's a lot of Stanford, a lot of Oregon, a lot of Washington, a lot of USC, I guess. But then like Utah gets up there. Like Washington State, there was the year they were number 13. They would have been in the championship game. They could have been number eight in the championship game. Maybe that means something. But you do need to have I mean, just better football across the board in order to, to feel confident, to, to not feel like you're going into this season with, can USC run the table or, or come close to it? I think we're going to have to do another podcast sometime in the next week where we kind of like design a hypothetical ideal CU and CSU schedule for this upcoming season. Like if we just got to be in a room and just, Hey, like we're going to start here and then we're going to go here and it would all be, you know, like in the, the interest of just trying to make a, competitive slash relevant schedule. It's, it's, it's a really weird balance. Mm-hmm. I will say if the PAC 12 does drop to, to only playing eight conference games, they play four non-conference games. The Rocky mountain showdown needs to be an annual thing again at that point. It should. I mean, that's yeah, especially it's just so tough for Colorado to when they're scheduling games a decade out where it's like, now that's you have another TC. Thing that should change though. Oh, it's absolutely. Stupid. It's completely it's ludicrous. Dumb. It's dumb, but you don't want to be left behind and stuck with two years to go. And so we'll see what happens. Maybe maybe whatever replaces the NCAA will come up with a rule that says like nothing more than five years out. And you get one of those a year that you schedule something, you know. But but like looking at this now, it's like, why are you not playing? Why are you not playing Colorado State freaking Fresno out there and then throw in a uh, like a UTEP or something? Like, give yourself three games that you're like, yeah, we'll see what happens instead of going and playing TCU and Minnesota and in Air Force, which, I mean, 10 years ago, we didn't really expect Air Force to look like this either, but it's, that's whatever. Like, the, the ability to schedule those non-conference games in particular just a, a, a little ways out would be really, really nice. I just said, if college basketball can schedule on a year-to-year basis and design a 30-game schedule, how can we not... It, it wouldn't be possible to design a 12 game schedule. That's too hard. It's like, I maybe make it two years out. Like just, just do two yeah, years. Whatever. Out. Like fine. 
I know. I was just starting to look through the Pac-12 schedule too. Like week one, you've got Oregon and Georgia playing in Atlanta. Or no, is it there? No, it's Auburn. It's probably no, Dallas. It's Georgia. That's it, right. It, it is Georgia. It's Dallas. Um, it's Georgia, it Georgia Oregon. I don't know where it is, but I would guess Dallas. Um, Somebody plays Auburn in Atlanta is the other one. That's right. I can't remember which one that was. But yeah, like a game like that, Oregon pulls that one off. Then maybe they're off and running. You just need teams to to win those games in the beginning and give themselves a chance. And, and there hasn't been enough of that. I mean, Oregon did it last year with Ohio State, but we'll see. I mean, that's been the problem for both CSU and CU over the last decade, if we're being honest. They've, they have scheduled some intriguing non-conference opponents. There have been opportunities, not to pick up like a, a win over Georgia. I'm not saying anything like that, yeah. but I mean, technically CSU has played at number one Alabama twice. They'll open at Michigan this year, so they're, they're, mm-hmm. not, they're not dodging those paychecks. We'll say that, but I just, if you're CU, if you're CSU, like, CSU lost to Minnesota in one possession games, like back to back years. And one of them, they just completely blew it. Like CU kind of got dominated by Minnesota. Like they just not dominated. Maybe that's not. Yeah. Fair, I mean, I mean, it was 30 to zero, but it was 13 to zero in the third quarter. And if they could just put any sort of offense together, that probably would have been a tight game. But I mean, I yeah, it's tough to, to tough to make that argument in 30 to zero, but yeah, that's what I mean though. You can't come up short in those games. You know what I mean? Like, CSU and CU, they got to start winning those games. Then we'll hopefully, you know, move on to picking up top 25 wins and stuff like that. But we just got to get back to general relevancy, mm-hmm. and making That's the f- postseason and not being a doormat. And for the Pac-12, like, just get four undefeated teams through non-conference play. Five undefeated teams would be incredible. And then you're just like, okay, you're probably going to see a couple lose in these first couple weeks of the conference season. But there, there's just so many teams that are out of the college football playoff race immediately. They're just like, oh, you lost to Hawaii already. Goodbye. Your season's over. Like, it's, it's, it's been a rough few years. And the other thing that I'll add, I mean, we, I brought up that number five Utah team. They lost to Oregon in the conference championship. If they would have won that, they could have been a college football playoff team in 2019. And so you do have, I mean, it was an eight-year stretch where the favorite or the higher-ranked team, at least, won the, the conference championship. And now it's been three years in a row where the, the underdog is won, And that took any steam anybody had out of them. It's going to be interesting. I just know that they can't sit pat. If you're the Mountain West, if you're the Pac-12, you've got to be bold. And it, it seems like the Pac-12 is actually going for it. The Mountain West tries. Um, they got to get some new leadership in there. That's, and that's not even like a Craig Thompson chat. It's just no commissioner of the league should be there for like 10 plus years. It just doesn't make sense. You need fresh blood. You need new ideas. You got to stay relevant. Anything else you want to say before we go here? This was a lot of fun. It was just nice to have a fun college football day. Like it feels like we don't have these very often. Like I think like they, they try on signing day to do like the whole like, oh, turn on ESPN. We'll have this yeah, big signing day sucks like, now with the early recruiting period. It's like not even interesting. And even the early signing day, it's just like, yeah, yeah it's not done okay. yet. So it's like, uh, College football does not dominate the offseason, but they dominated today, and this will carry them through a week, and that is really nice. Three more months. Three more months, baby. We are exactly 100 days from week zero games. I cannot wait. I know my man Hank can't either. We will have all kinds of content. Hank and I are going to be out on the road again this fall. That's going to be epic. Let's zoom. 
the I just bought Kendrick tickets for his last show of the tour in LA for the 15th. It's a Thursday. And then he's the bus play at Minnesota on that Saturday. It's like, yeah, that's easy. Like go out, see a girlfriend's friends there, go up to Minnesota for the game. So I'm pretty hyped about that trip in particular. It's going to be epic. I'm looking forward to going to the big house. Uh, like, it's going to be crazy. How's Washington State going to be, by the way? CSU plays them this year? They lost their quarterback, which is Arizona, ideal. right? Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves We are just some drops of water, together make up seven seas And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I wanna be I got blood on my shirt, like I wear my heart on my sleeve She said I look good in red, but that went straight to my head So now she She's rocking my teeth, tucked into new Prada jeans And we ain't spoken a month, but I just saw her last week The lipstick stain still on my cheek like we ain't talk enough And we always seem to laugh but never nod at us So the future's looking grim, it's kinda ominous And this song ain't about love, that'd be too obvious See, this is more about lust and all of my misconceptions And this is more about me and all of my self-deception I'll tell myself a lie, 100 times don't need corrections But every night I pray to God, I hope I learn my lesson and the peaches out from Palisade And they sweet as mama's marmalade And this should sound like summer days The windows down on harmony The family band sing harmonies My daddy played the drums And my mama slapped that bass And my sister sang these songs Dancing hand in hand We were tripping two left feet Like a middle school slow dance No one knew how to lead But I'm so thankful for these days They put a smile on my face Flirt with me when you're bored, that's what I'm here for Talk to me softly, till I get a little more Attached to the fact that you reply so quickly Dash and retract only when you get sick of me Sit back reminiscing back to when I got them digits I swear I need a witness of somebody quick with pinches I was out there floating, all them feelings felt indigenous To places I don't visit, heart eyes when I'm grinning Heart eyes and them emojis You said you won't be on me, I said you won't be lonely You can't count on me like a bank teller counter ain't never felt prouder never holding back don't got a front when i'm around her i want to listen more like maybe i should say less i'm not sure how to make an album this is just my best guess my best friends are producers send me beats i bump the playlist imagine all the hours ableton was stuck on repeat all for me to rap about some girls who didn't like me sb 404s and stupid bars all wrote on loose leaf i wait a lot on promises that sound like maybes my contacts still just numbers but in person call me baby like why i fall in love with every girl that wanna date me introspective but scatterbrained on the daily i'll make a tape with the homies and rap the same thing i know it's just rhymes but it sounds like everything and the peaches out from palisade and they sweet as mama's marmalade and this shit sound like summer days the windows down on harmony the family band sing harmonies my daddy play the drums my mama slapped that bass my sister sang these songs dancing hand in hand we were tripping two left feet like a middle school slow dance no one knew how to leave but i'm still thankful for these days they put a smile on my face